This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh, dear, not, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lid for acid? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Geology Planal Cast. My name is Steve. Hey, everybody. This is Chris. Uh, ahoy hoy. This is Jesse. Nice. I was just thinking of Ahoy Hoy today. Uh, I was listening to it like a, a news broadcast, and they're like, "Hello, are you there?" And the person said, "Like, hi, hi." And I was like, "It would have been cooler if you said Ahoy Hoy." Ahoy Hoy. Yeah, I think that's going to be my. It's my new go-to. Ahoy Hoy. That's yeah. yeah, two weeks in a row going with the Ahoy yeah. Hoy there. Yeah. So if anybody who doesn't know Alexander Graham Bell, who invented the telephone, uh, that was his go-to greeting. He thought everyone on the planet would be saying Ahoy Hoy. It didn't didn't yeah. take on. Didn't really take. No, no, no. Just like, just like sailing. What was his deal? Ah, that's a good question. I'm not. It, that was just like Simpsons trivia because that's how Mr. Burns answered the phone. Yeah, ahoy, hoy. Because Mr. Burns is so old, he was around when Alexander Graham Bell was around. So, it it is funny when you think about like these first like, um, what didn't Thomas Edison on the first phonograph? Wasn't it his, um his partner how oh shoot what was it watson watson didn't wasn't he singing like mary had a little lamb or something on the first like phonograph recording? Uh, I, th- I think so and um what's his face uh morris when he first uh did the telegraph from baltimore to washington he was like demonstrating its capability and he did it from Baltimore to, to the Capitol, to Congress. And his first message was, what hath God wrought? Which is <laughs> wow. like, awesome. Like, <laughs> I feel like if you're trying to make an impression. Yeah. Uh, Ahoy hoy or singing Mary had a little lamb. Eh, what hath God wrought? Yeah. And it's true because, you know, you take a few steps later and you go from the telegraph and next thing you know, We've got Facebook, which is, you know, yeah, and a, and a premier podcast yeah. where I would just, uh, my first podcast message would be like, sup. So, <laughs> yeah, it would be me blowing the intro. <laughs> well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the premier geology podcast, the geology flannel cast. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks for, well, downloading. I don't think yeah. This, but yeah. No, no, I'm broadcasting this out on a 96.3 FM. Yeah, I've I've got it on my ham power. (laughs) I don't know if that's what you call ham radio. I'm ham. I'm it up. Tower of pork. Yeah. Jesse's backyard. (laughs) Is that now, is that where the phrase hamming it up comes from? You're just on your ham radio? Oh, maybe. Probably not. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Why is it called ham radio? I'm sure it's an acronym for something. Yeah, amateur something, human human amateur <laughs> modulation. Uh, <laughs> nice. We are we are not talking about the ham radio tonight, which is no a good thing. Um, It'll be. We should put that on the old list before the episode. We were talking about um, some some future topics. <clears throat> we're coming up with a, a little list. I feel like we should talk about like radio waves in the ionosphere it's probably not a whole episode but like 
how occasionally you can pick up not so much anymore because there's much less of it, but like old school AM stations because AM it's, it cycles less, right? So the, is it longer wavelengths? Like they can bounce off like the ionosphere and, and, and really move with the curvature of the earth. Right. So you so can they- pick up radio stations like in the South Pacific from, you know, I don't know, wherever you're at. Yeah. The amplitude modulation as opposed to frequency modulation. Yeah. <clears throat> I got What's, the answer for the uh, etymology of ham radio because oh, yeah. very geology related. Uh, it was first appeared in the United States during the opening decade of the 20th century. For example, in 1909, Robert A. Morton reported overhearing an amateur radio transmission, which included the comment, Say, do you know the fellow who's putting up a new station out your way? I think he's a ham. Ah, ah. he's really hamming it up. Nice. That's it. Sounds so. sounds like a derogatory thing, but hey, I'll take it. Yeah. So it turns out like, yeah, being being a, a troll with all this technology is not new. <laughs> <laughs> bad mouth. Yeah. Bad mouth. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Right. Um, no, we honestly, before, before the podcast uh we had narrowed it down to a couple different topics and we'd both we'd all done research on both topics and uh realized that we just didn't have enough these the two topics in in question were just too in-depth to cover in a week's worth of research so we we didn't want to shortchange you no no so we were talking back and forth talking with our patreons who were listening thank you patreons um and we decided Jesse has to grade an exam this week. So uh, Jesse's going to ask us some said environments questions, facies, if you will. Yeah. As I like to call it. Exam number two. Um, there's, there's one week left in the semester and I'm just handing back exam two. So well, how many exams do you have? Three or four? Three in the final. Okay. So, you're, so you know. Yeah. I have tomorrow and then I have two classes after the break. And then I get, so one of those classes is the third exam and then I give their final back, but it's fine. I give their first exam back when I handed out the second exam. So I feel like it works that way. There you go. They don't need it. Oh, you wanted to know how to study for the second exam. Tough. (laughs) Just, just read everything. You want to know how you do know everything. (laughs) Done. Just assume you did well. You know, well, you don't assume what happens when you assume. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how I tell them. It's like the, right now, it's like Schrodinger's grades, right? They're both passing and failing until they actually observe it. Yeah. That's, well, you gave them all midterm that's reviews, right? Line. <laughs> <laughs> Schrodinger's grades. Schrodinger's grades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And someone's like, oh, I want to know how I should. Like what I need your to academic do a- career is both dead and alive right now. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know how well I need to do on the second exam. Cause I want to know if I did well or poorly on the first. Well, you should always try and get a hundred. Like you shouldn't let your grade on the first one. And then I'm like, plus if I give you your first one, it's going to ruin your day. So just don't worry about it. <laughs> and then you uh. can get into the whole quantum physics thing and say like, Oh, well there is, there is that the, the splits. There's, 
as soon as you find your grade, you learn your grade, but in an alternate world, then you yeah. have like, you know, the failing grade and you, you know. Hey, keep, just keep running at that wall and the, the probability, if you stretch your timeline out long enough, you'll run through it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is, uh, this class is called set environments. Now, when I took a very similar class, probably the same class, um, <laughs> it was called facies models. And I remember, I remember when I was in intro being like facies models, like, what is that? Like having to look up what, what is that? And it's facies or depositional environments, right? And then well, the, the sediments that, well, so there's a difference between facies and, and depositional environments. Um, yeah. Facies are just the genetically linked sediments and then use it. You basically, you, you get the combination of, you look at, you, you do your facies analysis, you do all the, all the analysis on the individual sediments, put them in their groups, and then you can interpret the depositional environment based on the facies. Yeah, I don't so, know why we didn't keep it with that easy definition. <laughs> no, so it, it, it's, it's a little more. It's a little more accurate to what you're actually teaching, though. Yeah. Right? I mean, kind of. I mean, you you can't make a determination of a sedimentary environment without considering the facies. Because the facies is... So the way... What a facies is, it's, it's the appearance of that rock. And, and, yeah, you're considering its context, essentially. So, like, you find a sandstone... You, you you know, that could be from a river, that could be from a beach, that could be from a lake. So you have to look at the sediments, you know, around it, either above or below or, or laterally to see, all right, what do I see the connected with it? Do I, do I see, you know, shales? Do I see coals? Do I see, you know, different sedimentary structures? Do, do, do the grains get finer or coarser? And so you look at how the, you know, as, as Chris said, how they're genetically linked. You look right. at textural analysis. Yeah. And that's the, 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 that's based on all the stuff that Jesse just explained, but just the, the big, the, the scientific term is textual analysis. And texture. <laughs> yeah. Who, um, oh, Gressley. It was so, so the Swiss geologists, uh, Amonsk, um, Amants. There's holes in his theory. Oh, come on. Uh, -dum -dum where are my crickets? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, he described it. I'm trying to find his exact, you know, the, the word vomit that he used for it, but it's actually pretty good. Word vomit. That's <laughs> he's got pretty I good mean, word vomit. I mean, it's from, it was from like, he lived in the, the early, 19th century so it's you know it was very formal con compared to what we know Lowry um, 1838 but it, it it essentially is like you know the, the the appearance taking into account the physical chemical and biological properties of those you know so on and so forth and right and yeah. but however this class that I took that Jesse's now teaching, it, it, it's pretty much the same class. Am I right? Uh, yeah, I, I've added to it. Thank no, you. no, I'm, I'm not saying. Uh, I've added my own flair. Uh, obviously, yes, every yeah, professor. The, topic, the topics essentially are the same. Yeah. But yeah, they, I, I, because I started teaching it, it was still facies. Right. 
And they basically, they changed the name of the class because people were putting facies models on their transcripts. Well, I mean, obviously it was on your transcript, but they're putting on like their resume and stuff and employers didn't know what the heck it was. Well, then that's you, you right. hire geologists. You don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and you could have like metamorphic faces. It doesn't have to be even just, you know. Right. Yeah. It's just sedimentary rocks. There's all sorts of different definitions of faces. Yeah. So I just, um, I, I don't know. That's just my little protest that I was like, all right, well, if you don't know what it means, then ask that question. What does that mean? Don't just ignore it or I, not I, hire them. HR thing too. Gressley works very there. closely with Agassiz in the um, is he, in the Alps. And the Alps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Agassiz and then, was the one that discovered all the glacial features in the Alps, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. And then, then he moved to the U.S. And Gressley became an engineer. And that's probably why we forget him, because they're forgettable. hi <laughs> 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 um, I'm nothing, just nothing like a it. good burn against an engineer. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. They know everything. Mm-hmm. Like how to and look up to geologists. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times. All right, yeah. Jesse, fire us off a question here. Let's let's see what's going on. Well, should, should I go back to the one we, we briefly started with? Um, what is the carbonate compensation depth? Yes. Okay. So is this an open-ended, like I can fill up a blue book with this kind of question? Yeah. Or? yeah I, give, I give them some, you can see it. I give them, I think I gave like, you know, a quarter of a page or something. Or I, I think I hit return like seven times. Got it. So uh, carbonate compensation depth. This is uh, the depth in the ocean as to which at some point the pressure solution changes based on the depth of the water in that i'm not explaining this well but the you can no you can no longer form calcium carbonate shells because it dissolves when it gets to this certain depth is that a a passing or failing i mean because i'm an easy grader i'd pass you all right, Chris. Chris, what do um, you got? Without yeah. looking it up, Chris, I see you looking stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get your hand off that, that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hands where I can see them. <laughs> it's so it's not where the shells form. So it has no, 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 no. That's what I'm formation. saying. But like yeah. the, the 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 you you start to dissolve that shell. Yeah. So it, let's say you're a critter. You're up in the ocean in the photosphere. You're you're eating all your bugs, and then you know you're building your shell, and then you die, and then you sink, and then essentially as you're sinking, when you get to this certain point, you're going to start dissolving your shell, and there's not going to be any more shells on the bottom of the ocean anymore. How's that? Yeah, it's you are an easy grader. That's not the right answer either. But I think yes. the follow-up question should also be uh, explain the aragonite compensation depth as well. The ACA. Well, well, so no, that's why it's called car- carbonate and not calcite compensation depth. Ah. Because, uh, yeah, because you have calcite and aragonite and they're they're different. They're different, you- but they're not different. Aragonite's yeah. weird. Aragonite they're the weird. same chemical composition, just inter- internal structure is different. Yeah. Yeah, shift it around a little bit, more, just kind of like pop it back in place. All right, now you got calcium. And it's and it's it's weird because aragonite. Well, actually, I'm going to come back to this aragonite calcite because that's the question. 
so the CCD, the carbon and compensation depth. Yeah. Steve basically had it. So when, when things that are either their shells or skeletons made out of carbonate in the modern ocean, it's mainly aragonite. When, when they die, they sink to the bottom of the ocean. So that's carbonate sedimentation in, in sort of the, 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 the open Marine. And it's the, the, the depth at which your precipitation rate equals your dissolution rate. It's compensating for the dissolution is compensating for the, the sedimentation. And so below that you're dissolving more than you're, you're precipitating. So you don't preserve anything. Mm. And that changes your solubility, um, your, your solubility constant, your KSP, uh, uh, you know, and, uh, it, it, it um, increases with either lower temperatures, higher pressures, or acidity. And so at, at either, and so that depth can change depending on, say, say the, the warmer or cold water. So it's, it's shallower in the Arctic and it's deeper in the, the tropics. Um, and it, um, depending on how much CO2, so it, it's actually shallowing right now because we're adding so much CO2 to the oceans that the, the waters are becoming more acidic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so the CCD is a little bit higher in the Pacific because um, the Pacific deep water in the Pacific actually has more CO2. It's just a fun fact. Oh, huh. um, I didn't know that. Yes. So, uh, is there just more volcanism in the Pacific, I guess, or that doesn't make sense. Cause we have the mid Atlantic Ridge. I don't, why would there be more CO2 in the Pacific? Um, ba, ba, ba. Ray question less zones of upwelling. So you're, uh, I don't know. it's just, I don't know. it's just long, longer, deeper, wider kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and so in the Pacific, it's, it's anywhere from like four to four and a half kilometers and um and then in the atlantic it's like five kilometers so uh so that's yeah that's the ccd one of my favorite things associated with the ccd is the oozes that you get depending on where you're at with the depth so if you're uh it's always fun to talk about geologic oozes i did not expect to talk (laughs) pelagic ooze oh baby um, wasn't that a Ninja Turtles, the secret of the ooze? Wasn't that one? Yeah, that? that's Ooh. what I was just going to say. That was the were second Ninja Turtles. About, I think they were talking about the Abyssal Plane. I think that's what that's it was. Pretty sure that's that's exactly what that was about. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. your oozes, if you're above the, the CCD, you get calcareous oozes. But if you're below the CCD, you get silicious ooze. Yeah. Silicious ooze turns into chert. chert, I, was chert. In, I was in a band called Silicious Ooze oh, once. Silicious yeah i hope it was like, uh, a, like a sludge metal <laughs> sludge sludge metal. sludge metal a thing yeah yeah like uh sludgy kind of sure why not <laughs> so you use. just made it up so let's just use on the chert world tour <laughs> uh, yeah i i do i always like doing that where like i'm like all right you're in the abyssal plain, you're out in the deep ocean and you go to the bottom of the ocean, you know, what sediments would you expect? Would you, you know, what would you touch? 
And, you know, especially because this class is the follow on from physical geology. So it's the second geology class they've had. So sometimes they sort of think about like the beach and whatnot. And, um, and I'm always like, nope, it's gross mud. That's what you'd be in. Yep. It's just organic matter and mud. It's gross. Yeah, so. that's why when you see like uh, deep water submersibles and they like the fans, they they can't get too close to the bottom of the sea because the, if the fans disturb the muck at the bottom, it's so fine that it stays in suspension for like hours, oh, and there's yeah. no currents or anything like that. Like they, you just end up you can't see anything, and you gotta like abandon your trip and come back the next day or days later. Honestly. Yeah. Not too much is going on with the abyssal plane. You get a lot of like windblown dust getting deposited. Like one of the main sources of set or a large source of sediment, maybe not the main source, but you get uh, like Saharan dust storms or sandstorms bring over dust into the Atlantic Ocean. And like that's 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 how fine the material is. Because you're not getting like the, obviously the sand getting blown over from from Africa into the the you know the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, but it's that very fine dust, I guess fine silt to clay probably clay size i'd imagine just the finest of the fine that just gets it gets uh kind of blown over there into the into the ocean yeah you can get kinda... poor poor air quality down where you are right chris like you can actually well, get was, some yeah Saharan... a couple years ago there was a couple years years. yeah there was like a bunch of remnants of, of a saharan dust storm in this in, in the atlanta area <laughs> i wonder well, if I mean, you can see that in the rock record so, I mean, you can see it definitely on Greenland. That's why you get, um, that's what one of the reasons you, you know, you get layers of ice every year, but if you look at those annual layers, they're light and dark. And it's because the prevailing winds for part of the year are bringing Saharan dust. And so it makes the ice a little bit darker. So the annual layers are, are these bands of light and dark. And it's, it's basically the winter and the summer. And it's because of the prevailing, prevailing winds. Hmm. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, you, you definitely, I mean, you preserve it. I, it. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah. In the, how that would preserve in the, in the rock. It, it would sure. have to be a lacustrine, like super slow yeah. environment. Yeah. You're not going to see it in, like from like, uh, fluvial or, or anything like that. Yeah. And, yeah, and the, I mean, the, the sedimentation rate in the, in the deep ocean, the abyssal plain is so low. It just incorporates, you know, in, so a lot of what you're preserving on the abyssal plane too, the ooze, there are, there's organic and it's, and so it's basically microscopic organisms, right? It's these planktonic organisms and they're either, their shells or their skeletons are made of uh, calcite or aragonite or silica, and so that's why you can have calcareous or, or silicious ooze. And so there's a lot of, there's organics in there as well. Um, because at those depths, there's very little oxygen. So, so the organic matter doesn't, doesn't necessarily break down. That's why we call it um, uh, pelagic ooze because it's, it's these planktonic organisms if you do have a mix of, of sand or, or, or not even usually silt or, or dust blowing in, mixing with it, and it, it, it's usually iron, so th they'll take a red, 
they'll get a red hue to it. We call them hemipelagic oozes. And if they're if they are hemipelagic, they're usually red, and so they turn into red shales. Ah. Sometimes we yeah. Otherwise, they're usually pretty black shales in in those depths. And I guess sometimes that organic matter, if it buries, gets deep enough, it'll turn into uh, petroleum. So, so that's that. All right. What else? Uh, well, what I, else? so I, I, I did. I have a sort of a question. I talk about micrite and sparite. I don't know if you want to talk about those. It's it's not micritic. We deal with a little bit of folk and dunham there with the uh yeah. Spoken dunham nomenclature? Yeah. yeah, just compare and contrast micrite with sparite, including where you would expect each to form. Micrite, muddy, calcite, basically sparite, crystalline. Sparite. Yeah, in situ. Yeah. Um, and then I say calcite versus aragonite, compare and contrast. What what for, what form dominates the modern? And why does that form not dominate in the rock record? Aragonite dominates the modern, but aragonite switches over to calcite. After yeah. the organism dies. Yeah, aragonite is, is unstable. Yeah. Fun, so. fun fact, if you smash calcite hard enough, mineralogically, it'll show up under XRD as aragonite. What? Really? What? Yep. Really? If you put, so if you put uh, like you calcite. tried this or is this like folklore? <laughs> you, is this XRD no, folklore? <laughs> if you put calcite, uh, like a calcium carbonate calcite into uh, what we call a shatter box, which is basically the, the steel box with like a steel or ceramic hockey puck in it. And it just shakes the crap out of it and smashes it all up into a fine powder. The old you, can shatter actually, box. you can actually change calcite into aragonite um, mineralogically. You can actually just alter like basically calcite and aragonite or you know it's the same same ingredients just different shape it kind of like squishes it a little bit more and squishes the calcite into an aragonite form and you can take a sample xrd it then put it into a shatter box and xrd it again and you get one gets a calcite peak and one gets an aragonite peak hmm. that's that's news to me did not know that one yeah um <clears throat> all right so uh I skip i'm actually gonna skip over folk and dunham because i just they make me angry i appreciate that yeah you want to talk what? about like bio sparites and yeah uh, <laughs> lump stones and grape stones and wax stones and pack stones no no thank you how about uh how does an atoll form oh that's a great question thank you who wants to take that one? I'll take it. Is that um, the, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. I'll I'll fill I'll fill in where you obviously mess up. Thank you. <laughs> They're like little reef donuts just hanging out there in the uh in the uh um in warm waters. No, so what happens is you get uh you get a volcano, volcano's active, you get that that ring of a uh a coral reef around the perimeter of the volcano, and then the volcano is uh, because it's no longer active, um, and the volcano erodes away, but the uh, but that reef kind of still hangs out. It looks like a little, it's a little donut hanging out there, a little donut of yeah. a coral reef in the uh, in the ocean. Yeah, you're over the hot spot. You form a volcano, 
then you move off the hot spot and the volcano dies. But because the coral is alive and it's always producing new calcite every generation, you're continually building. So as long as you, your 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 production, your building, or your sedimentation is greater than erosion, you will uh, always stay stay at or near sea surface. Mm-hmm. That's where. Uh, so um, Amelia Earhart was trying to land on an atoll. Um, oh yeah, told her not to. Uh, oh, too soon, <laughs> too soon. Uh, but if you look at like, if you go to like Google Earth, um, and and you know you 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 go over the the Pacific Ocean, you have to. You have to like zoom in and see how tiny these atolls are. They're like, you know, some are like less than a mile wide. She was trying to land on Howlin Island in the Pacific Ocean. And it is, it is just, I don't even know, you can't even call it a spit of land. It's, it's 1700 miles from Honolulu. It's just in the middle of nowhere. It's, 1.4 by 0.5 miles. Wow. It's it covers about a single square mile. It is tiny. And so did she yeah. so she was whatever happened? I know like obviously I know she died, but she, when you zoom in on Google Earth, you can't even see it. <laughs> we don't uh we don't know that. She may still be out there. She'd, She'd be pretty old right now if uh yeah. if she but did she? Uh, so they never. They, was there something they think they found where she? Uh, yeah, I feel like they've been have... they've been saying that for a long time. That you know, every once in a while they'll find wreckage. There was some thought that she landed on an island, but at the time it was um, occupied by the Japanese because this was right before the start of World War II, and they they took her and. Fred Noonan, who was her um, co-pilot, um, like they kept him prisoner. This is 1937. She disappeared. Yeah, so that she just disappeared. Um, yeah, kind of, uh, kind of a bummer. Yeah, and and just to hit that needle in a haystack, like, yeah, to be super accurate to try to hit this little tiny island in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But yeah, kind of kind of crazy. Yeah, so a little atoll. If actually there's a pretty great map <clears throat> um uh by friend of the the show um Chuck Darwin. Uh. And when he was on the Beagle, he actually recorded all the atolls they saw. And so he has a pretty there's a there's a a map that just has him mapping out the different atolls cuz L- least we forget he was a geologist yeah you know and once a geologist always a geologist uh, um, you know one biologist try and claim them but uh, fun fun fact about the uh about darwin uh he was kind of a jerk to alfred russell wallace we learned that when we did the uh yeah, yeah. the the wallace line podcast uh Let's cancel him. He's done. 
<laughs> Charles Darwin. Yeah, you're done. Uh, yeah. So atolls, atolls are really neat. I mean, sometimes I, I you zoom around the Pacific Ocean, and it's really interesting to look at. You, you look at some of those um, uh, uh, those little islands, <clears throat> and you know, there's a lot of history on a bunch of those Pacific islands, like the story of of you know guano on a lot of these islands. Um, there's actually some of the islands were actually called the Guano Islands, but early on, Guano, which is bird poop essentially, yeah, I thought it was bat poop, but bat yeah, poop. Bat, bat poop, bird poop, it, because it's bird too, because these are stopover points on these birds that do like these long haul migrations, these are just points where they could rest. And so you'll have these flocks that'll just land. <clears throat> it's like a it's like a rest stop on the highway. They relieve yeah. themselves, and then they keep on keeping. And <laughs> we 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 use uh, guano for two things. Do you know what it is? Or we used to. Oh. This is nineteen cent eighteen. You know the eighteen hundreds, nineteenth nineteenth century. Like, oh, I feel like you talked about this. Is it like pottery or something? What, what are you going to say? Go ahead. It's fertilizer because there's a lot of phosphorus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, what else do we sense. use? Phos- what else is phosphorus good for? Fireworks. Fire, But we don't need fireworks. We do like gunpowder, though. Nice. So used, it was used for early gunpowders. To, to like, we do like blowing stuff up, but we like blowing other people up more. With bird so, poop. Bird poop. So a lot of, and and actually, some of these islands are like severely degraded now, because they've been so, they've been mined essentially for this bird poop. Imagine like just signing on for that. I wonder if you get roped into it. Like you're gonna have some adventures on the high sea, and then you pull up to this square mile spit of land, and just full of birds. Of birds. They give you a, they give you a shovel. <laughs> Like we'll be back in three months. <laughs> Fill up these wheelbarrows. Happy digging. Yeah. Oh man. Um, how about another uh, atoll? Uh, Bikini atoll blowing up oh. some bombs. Yeah. Speaking of blowing stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> nuclear. Uh, we were testing uh, nuclear bombs there in the 1950s. Uh, so I read a book about this, and literally what the what the government was doing, the United States government was doing, they were testing out these nuclear bombs on uh on these atolls in the uh, in the pacific ocean just to see what would happen like the the the, the amount of science was somewhat minimal from my understanding it was just like well let's see what happens in this scenario okay here we go it's, yeah hey y'all watch this <laughs> that's pretty much what was happening yeah yeah, yeah. So, so yeah and a lot of it i mean some of the most famous like photographs of like all the battleships that like kind of get sucked up in in the water of yeah, the, yeah. the cloud that's at Bikini Atoll. But uh, on the downside, they did very little to warn either the residents or the soldiers about the risks from fallout. And so oh, there's geez. huge yeah, There's all sorts of messed up stories. And there was even you know, on the one island, they just, I think they're just like, okay, you're done. Goodbye. Get up, move. And they just 
yeah something, something along those lines they just uh start i think it's nuking it uh killy killy island they they did try and compensate people pretty poorly but it sort of reminds me of i was just i was just reading something about the 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 moon landings and this is this is this is apropos because when we're recording this it's you know artemis just launched this morning or i guess it's the orion rocket part of the artemis mission um to send people back to the moon but it in those early moon missions like you know neil armstrong buzz aldrin michael collins you know on apollo 11 they're they were test pilots there's there's very little science involved it's just like hey can we get to the moon can we can we do this and Uh, yeah the late the later apollo ones are like no no we should actually collect some rocks we should do some stuff so i mean apollo 17 which was the last apollo mission um they actually sent a geologist so the first you know non uh pilot to go up was a geologist just saying yeah out there but some of the prior ones 16 and 15 and 14 they um they were trying to train the you know these tests these pilots in the science and at first they were like what are we what are we doing why are we why why do we need to know this why do we need to know this but i'm trying to i'm blanking on his name the 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 geologist who eventually went up on 17 got him so interested that they like they were all about it to, to the point where they're like, we need to collect things. And there, there's a, there's sort of a, a, a famous, it's called the, it's called like the seatbelt incident or something. They're on a Rover and they see a big piece of basalts and they knew basalt was one of the, the big rocks they were trying to find. And, but their, their mission time had elapsed and they knew if they radioed in and said, you know, missing control, we need to pick up this rock. They would say no. So they pretended like their seatbelt was broken and they they had to have time to fix it. And so while they're radioing in that they're fixing their seatbelt, the one astronaut hopped off to go collect that rock. <laughs> uh, uh, Harrison just like, Schmidt, by the way. What's that? Harrison Schmidt. Yeah, that's it. And I think like the, the Latin motto for Apollo uh, 17 um was was something about it 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 was something about like science and and like the scientific mission good to know that all geology field trips and with like no wait let's just stop and get one more rock (laughs) yeah even when it's on the moon (laughs) yeah yeah so um I've been on geology field trips where you're leaving in the van, you're in one weight class and you're coming back and you have so many rocks, you actually <laughs> get bumped up to the next weight class going through tall booths. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that was an issue with Apollo 13 that never landed on the moon. While on their way back, oh, yeah. the the one um, pilot on Apollo 13 is like, they have us coming in at too steep of an angle. Like we're going to just skip off the surface and like, well, everybody back in Houston said it was fine. They did all the calculations. And by then, like they're literally like pen and pencil, like calculating um, stuff. 
because they forgot that they were supposed to be hauling like 200 pounds or 400 pounds of moon rocks. Yeah. So they, mm. they miscalculated the weight of the shuttle on the way back in. The guys on the shuttle figured it out and NASA, and they had a radio into NASA like, hey, yeah, it's coming in too shallow. And they're like, oh, that's right. You're supposed to be hauling moon rocks. Our bad. Can you, can you go get some? <laughs> um, yeah. So anyhow, so that's a tolls and whatnot. All right. Uh, so what's next? Here's, here's a good one. <clears throat> Speaking of good band names, what is the Dolomite problem? <laughs> oh, not enough of it, baby. <laughs> Where'd it come from? We don't see it Where'd- being, uh, they did find somewhere that it's currently being made. Oh, really? Yeah. Isn't that, it's it's like somewhere in the Middle that? East. It's some like weird, like super salacious or not salacious, super salty. Um, it, it's just super rare. It, 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 is, is like, uh, it's like Cotton Eye Joe. Where did it come yeah. from? Where did it go? Yeah. So Dolomite is a magnesium calcium carbonate. Uh, which in the modern, you know, the, the, the present is the key to the past doesn't kind of work for the dolomite problem. Yeah. It dominates the rock record. We find dolomite, like, you know, the Italian Alps are capped by dolomite. And so it's just huge deposit called the dolomites. They are. Right. So we, we have, we had a podcast on uniformitarianism way back when, I don't know, episode three or something um <clears throat> sorry i don't have my list in front of me i know it's, it's killing me that i'm all if out only, of whack if ladies only... and gentlemen this is the this is the the, the flannel cast statistician here and he is <laughs> failing miserably at his job. it's because oh. it's not on my perfectly formatted outline is what it oh, is oh tell us more about perfectly we, formatted outlines we Steve. just went off script chris in case you you know obviously you're reading along the whole time <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> tell us about these perfectly formatted outlines dude come on it's right after moon landing we were talking about the perfectly formatted outline so i'd like to thank our sponsor the formatting formula uh f- <laughs> www.formattingformula.com or you can check out their videos on youtube forward slash c forward slash formatting formula for all of your word document formatting needs um, anything from helping you with your dissertation to um, super complex regulatory documents that have to be formatted in a very, very specific way. They can help you out in anything. Um, yeah, custom header toolbars and things like that for for people who do the same thing over and over and over again. Um, check out their videos on YouTube and you can teach yourself or be lazy like me. And whenever I need something complicated done, which I like two weeks ago, I had to convert a document, a word document from the year 2000 into today. And obviously you just click that button and it's fine, but you click that button. And then all of a sudden, all, all the headers, all the footers, everything, the table contents all went out of whack. And I was just like, why am I, I'm not going to bother with this. I'm just going to contact the formatting formula. And like, yep, send it to me. I'll fix it. I'll send it back. And they did it. And it was fantastic. So formattingformula.com can't say enough good things about them all right thank you formatting formula all right yeah. so what does the formatting formula know about the dolomite problem ah so i just emailed them uh they sent it back as a pdf 
I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the dolomite problem, like we were talking about earlier, dolomite isn't really forming right now. So why is everything in the rock, re- not everything, but why is there so much dolomite in the rock record? So that so is that, the dolomite problem. So what are that leads me to the second part of the question is, what are some possible solutions? Oh, is that like a, a, a pun right there? Solutions? Oh, shoot. Uh, yeah. oh, I never realized that's incredible. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so, so where is the magnesium coming from? Talk about some stylites there with the solutions. Yeah. So you can have Where's the magnesium coming from. Yeah. Or yeah. Only the biggest body of water on earth, the ocean. Never heard of Billy Ocean. Never, never heard of her. Never Mm. heard of it. Uh, Uh, Yeah, so you you uh, you can get dolomite forming from uh, secondary mineralization. Flood out the. Yeah, so that's yeah. You can have primary formation through direct precipitation. Yeah, you get that magnesium coming out of the ocean water, or secondary formation. You get. Precipitation from dolomitizing fluids. Dolomitizing or, fluids. That was his yeah. nickname in high school. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that. I did. I was like, <laughs> I already had like two terrible puns already. So, <laughs> or it's just a re- replacement through diagenesis. So none of it's like, it's not real. It's all diagenesis it's not by real. L. I mean, Ron Hubbard. It does sort of, it's okay. It does sort of lead to, uh, like the question, one of the ideas is like, and this is uh, another, right? This is sort of, this piggybacks off the idea about calcite and aragonite, right? We see a lot of aragonite <clears throat> uh, forming. To, it's all aragonite essentially forming today, but calcite is, is the main form we see in the rock record. And it's easy enough to explain it because aragonite is, is not really stable. And so it, it recrystallizes into calcite. Has that always been the case? Or in the past, were organisms precipitating calcite? Um, and so, you know, what are possible reasons for this? And, you know, was the geochemistry of the oceans different or such that maybe organisms in the past dolomitized or, or produced, you know, dolomitic fluids versus, say, say uh, calcite or aragonite? Mm. Yeah. The old dolomitizing fluid. Now that's cool. That's a classic question right there. How so I thought it had to do with the wrapper from the 70s. So we see dolomite or calcite or you know, in the modern aragonite forming with in in reefs with the framework builders. How have in, in in the modern that would be coral mm-hmm. sponges yeah and so the question is how have reef framework builders changed through time i have an interesting fact about this i'm excited tell i'm me. excited to hear about it too we'll talk about corals right i want to ignore your question for a second jesse well, <laughs> talking about corals corals man corals. Not sponges not sponges corals 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 are under the phylum of Nadaria, right? Yeah. Uh, and 
the sea is silent. It starts with the sea. Um, Nidaria, right? Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Oh, the sea is silent. Yeah. So they uh, they actually evolved from jellyfish, right? So you had corals were were around in the in the Paleozoic era. Um, you had your rugose and tabula corals just both, chilling. Both, both extinct. Both extinct. Died off at the end Permian. God rest their souls. Event, the Great Dying. Evolved back a second time from jellyfish during the Triassic to get your modern corals today. Take that extinction. It is silly. Yeah, silly. So- That's the crazy. Like it's just like, oh no, we're going to mulligan. Here we go again. Just coming yeah. right back from jellyfish That's- a second time. It really hey, worked. Hey, meanwhile, yeah. jellyfish are still giving everyone the finger and being like, yeah, we're still here too. <laughs> there, Took on yeah. the jellies, man. Yeah, so Anthozoa are the uh, subphylum. It's it's Hexacoralia and Octacoralia. Uh, Scalentarian, Skeller and Skelleractina. Uh, I can never say that word coral. either. Coral. Yeah. <laughs> coral. Coral. Eight, six and eight coral. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Six. But those are the, the main types. Yeah. But back in the day, so like, and actually this sort of gets into, you know, some of these other things you said about jellyfish and whatnot. So the main framework builders. Medusa. Coral, Let's sound like we're educated here. Call them by the real name, Medusa. Medusa. Yeah. She wasn't always around. It was uh, like, even in the Cretaceous, rudists were a lot of the, the main framework builders. Um, and then Jurassic, Jurassic, you have other types of corals. Before that, you have sponges or stromatoporoids, which are sort of that weird, unknown, you know, is it, is it a sponge? Is it a, um, is it like a sand dollar? I I forget what the the proper name for a sand dollar is. Econoderm? uh, Oh, that's the phylum it's under. Yeah. So, I mean, stromatoporoid falls under peripheral, so it falls in the sponge. So they call them demnospongy, like, but they're, they're very strange. They, they have, you know, they, they were previously in Nidaria because they, they thought they looked so much like, say, corals or, or sand dollars. Um, but now they're put in periphera. They're very interesting, but they were the main framework builders for a long time. We're talking 100 million years. Silurian, Silurian, Devonian reefs. Before that, sponges. You know, imagine a sponge, a sponge reef. Sounds delightful. It's like a... Yeah. It's like Sounds like a water. playground. Yeah. Like a big pillow. Waterbed. Um, unless it was... Uh, what's the... The glass sponge. What's that? Oh, the spic with the spicules. Uh, yeah, the sil- silicious sponges. Urchins? Uh, no, no, no. It's just, urchins. it's just, it's just the, the no, spicules no, I, are, yeah, are glass. But, uh, it's uh silicious spongy. Uh, man, oh man, it's they're not crazy. radiolarians, is it? 
Nah. No, it's just it's just called Cilicia Sponge. They're oh, they're occasional, huh? Anywho, yeah, yeah. So the reef framework we think of reefs today is being coral, but it's just kind of knowing that coral is not is not the end all be all. True that. Uh, I can't wait for next year. People taking your class, like just start talking about Apollo seventeen and. I'd give them I'd give them credit. Right? I yeah. would too. They slap a geology flannel cast sticker on it. <laughs> All right. We got any, any other any other yeah, good what, ones? What's the next uh, next question? We have, I mean the whole second half of the exam is on rivers, so I don't know if we want to oh bring it. Just, bring it. Come good, on. At, at least question, at yeah. least let's start it. Uh, the first couple are all sketching, like sketch a stratigraphic column of finding upward sequence. You could you could try and describe the, what the I grains mean, but... the grains get finer as you go up. Yeah, yeah. next <laughs> in, <laughs> in sort of a sequence. But why? Hmm? Uh your river energy gets point lower. Is in because point bar development. Yeah, rivers migrating laterally on the landscape. Done. Which. All right. Uh, why are straight channels poorly represented in the rock record? Just not deposit anything. Yeah, you're not depositing ah, anything. Yeah. Oh, man. You guys should take my class. <laughs> <laughs> so many, that, that class, 90, 90% of the class answers that incorrectly. I really? like how you were like proud of us for getting that one. Right? Yeah, and so quickly you were, you were happy. Like you literally smiled when we said it. <laughs> Cause when I grade them, everyone gets it wrong. And it's very sad. Um, what are the, what are the three main factors that influence the morphology of a channel and describe in a sentence, how they affect the morphology. Of a channel? I mean like gradient, like thing like, Yeah. That's gradient yeah. sediment load. Uh three factors that would describe the the morphology of a channel. Yeah. Yeah. So how how steep is it? Gradient. How much sediment, load. sediment? And then I guess your volume of water. Which Discharge. is called Discharge. Yep. Yeah. And so yeah, I uh, mean your yeah. sediment. Yeah. Uh, what's a descri- what's a crevasse splay, and how would it? What would the deposit look like in the rock record? Oh well, <laughs> it's not gonna. It's gonna be tricky to see in the rock record. I mean, if I guess it'd be be oh crevasse splay is well. Let me explain it first. Yeah, um, it's it's when the you basically get the river it breaks through the levee and it's kind of like a like a blowout like a river blowout. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen crevasse people. Well, actually, Jesse, the one the one project that that we worked on um, was originally perhaps described as a crevasse splay before we kind of tinkered around with it and said, oh, this might be more braided stream, but uh, how would it be displayed in the, in the rock record? So you just have to look for the, the, 
the the first thing I'd look for is like more. It, you would you would it would be finer than like the channel. You'd see like finer sediments. Yeah, you would see. Um, so you, especially if you could see everything laterally, like in three D. Yeah, you, you can see, get the context for it, like the, the lateral context you're in. Yeah, I mean, so when you're you you create this funnel point, and the river is going to force its way through that funnel point, but as soon as it goes through the the levee, right on the other side, is the floodplain. And so that that flow is going to become instantly unconfined onto the floodplain, and your energy is going to drop. So you get a big fan. Be a fan. Yeah, so you look like a mini mini was. delta or something. Yeah. So you'll you'll see yeah. larger grains sandwiched within floodplain sediments. So you usually see like a lens of sand or something hmm. within within floodplain sediments. In a perfect case scenario. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you'll never see. It. You'll never see it. <laughs> yeah. Because the whole time I'm thinking of it like, way, in, like way to know, throw um, in that trick question there, buddy. It's not real. <laughs> the, yeah. The, the correct answer is how will it be uh, recorded in the rock record? You're not finding yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Where would you find the complete Bauma sequence? <laughs> uh, well, oh, the full Bauma sequence? Yeah. Is there one in like Chile or something like that? The, the... I didn't think there was one. But there's, yeah, you're not going to see all, all, you know, T sub A, B, C, D, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, the, what you do see, you will, you can see the full point bar sequence, which is a representation of Walther's law. So, what is Walther's law? Whatever's happening vertically is happening horizontally. Yeah. And so, the point bar sequence, uh, what that is, is like if you think about a river channel, you know, on either side, you have the floodplain, and then you have the levee that acts as the banks of the channel. And then within the channel itself, especially a bend in the channel, on the inner bend, the water is moving slower relative to the rest of the channel. And so you deposit sediments. That's called the point bar. And then on the outer bend, it's it's usually a little deeper, the thalweg. Thalweg. And you're moving faster relative to the rest of the channel. So you erode there. That's the cut bank. And so the river is always moving ladder. This is a meandering channel. The river is moving laterally in the direction of the cut bank. So it's eroding into the bank and it's depositing as it moves in that direction. And so if you think about those depositional environments, the floodplain, you know, the, the point bar, the channel, cut bank. As it moves, all of those environments move with it. And so, you know, what you're seeing there vert- laterally at any one point, floodplain, you know, levee, point bar, channel, that gets preserved vertically as that channel migrates across the landscape of deposits, you know, within the channel, you make it some lag. And then as that channel moves, you know, just picture if you're picturing it, the channels moving to the right. And so, you know, coming from the left would be the point bar. So over the channel lag, you get some sands. And then as the channel keeps migrating to the right, you know, the floodplain is coming in from the left and it's going to deposit these really fine grains on top of it. And so you'll see you go from channel lag, you know, cobbles to point bar sands to floodplain muds. And so it's a finding upward sequence. So, or actually, the proper term is finding upward succession. 
There you go. Yeah. There you go. You don't want to don't want to confuse it with sequence stratigraphy. No, and as as a sequence stratigraphy. Any sequence stratigraphy questions on this exam? No, I, I'm I get into basin analysis. I'm going to start talking about it tomorrow. Gotcha. So, you want me to live broadcast it? Everyone, tune in. Nine thirty a.m. on your ham radios. <laughs> yeah. When do you? Um, the other thing about Walter's Law, uh, I just want to expand. It's not just uh, it's not just seen in in river set. It's seen in a lot of different oh, yeah. environments. So, like, Joannes Walter described it um uh at the point bar sequence he he described it in as the point bar sequence but yeah it carries to basically other other environments and you can even just look at just basic transgression regression sequences too and you see yeah. walter's law going up and down it, and left left or you know but not not sequence yeah. The point bar is you're saying the point bar is not a sequence, it's a succession. Succession. Yeah. Finding upward succession. So, so yeah. yeah. Or you what, what's upward, now why, trend. why the difference? Because the sequence you think of like uh like your um um like your uh your transgression sequence and then your yeah. regression sequence. A sequence means it has a definite meaning in sequence stratigraphy and it's different from how we use it with say point bars got it it's, yeah you're you're talking about a complete cycle okay it's i mean it's semantics it's that whole idea of you know the terminology of stratigraphy is the triumph of yeah what do they say like that it's the triumph of terminology over common sense or something. <laughs> There's a classic quote. Nice. Uh, because yeah. And you, you'll get people that get up in arms about such things and life is too short. Yeah. Like if, if you understand what I'm talking about and I, you know, to, to a certain point, I try and be as accurate as possible, but no, I, I'm just curious as to what, yeah. what the, distinction was that's all yeah because then you get into with the sequence trigger we get the transgressive sequence track and then the regressive sequence track the rsts and tst the transgressive well, sequence. Yeah. yeah so yeah so that's yeah those are yeah that's different we should do a we should do an episode on sequence stratigraphy yeah i would enjoy that i would too topic that both jesse and i got uh hammered on for our qualifying exams yeah. <laughs> scarred maybe that's why i emphasize point bar succession it was funny so just a little side story when jesse and i were finished we we're we we were basically finishing up our phds at just about the same time and so we were we were like we we're um going through we we're pretty much neck and neck for for a while and we you you went through your your qualifying exams before i did and i remember asking you like what was it? What can I expect? And you're like, man, they hammered me on sequence stratigraphy, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, you know. And I was just, and I remember when I was going through my qualifying exam, they started hammering me on sequence stratigraphy. And I remember thinking, like, what is this? Is this a, they do this to everybody? <laughs> do they all talk to each other? What's going on here? I, I think someone was in cahoots. You know, I think the people at Rutgers, the 
the faculty at Rutgers and the faculty at George Mason were uh, they're, they're talking to each other. <laughs> yeah. uh, Anywho, I'll never forget I, that. Yeah, I'll never forget it either. Yeah, it's fun, fun times. If you ever just feel like you're having, you, you just you're uh, you're just having too much fun in life. Just go through like a PhD dissertation <laughs> or a, P- a PhD. PhD got a qualifying exam. The oral qualifying, qualifying exam. exam. It's uh, yeah. more, more fun than a barrel of monkeys. Draw the slug model on a, on a board. You'll be all right. Yeah, that's right. Because they had me. I remember it was like the same exact thing that you said you had to go through. I was going through and I'm like, oh, my God, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. All right. So you got rivers. You throw any turbidites in this thing? No, I do them on the last exam because I, I covered them on the first exam. All right. How about coastal environments? What do you got with the, the coastal stuff? I, I do that. That's the first exam, and that's why I cover turbidites. Oh, okay. okay. I, yeah. So I do siliciclastic coasts in the first exam. Okay. okay. Turbidites and <clears throat> this one is carbonates and rivers. How about glaciers, next, glacial settings? I just did that yesterday. So that's going to be exam three is... Zaolian glaciers, deltas, alluvial fans, and basin analysis. Wow. So like the second exam is sort of easy because it's it's much shorter. <clears throat> so the first exam, they're, they're not used to it, and they all do pretty terribly. And the second exam, it's shorter, so they do better. And the third exam, they come back to reality. So what's on the third exam exam again? Sorry. Deltas, alluvial planes. Um, deltas, alluvial fans, uh, aeolian environments, glacial environments, and then basin analysis. Oof. Yeah. So, you know, it's good. So what's left for the final? No, nothing cumulative. new, just cumulative? Yes. Yeah, okay. Boy, they. Yeah. You know, Anyhow, well, I, I took that class like, like 20 years ago, so I don't really remember, but <laughs> I, I think it sounds like you have yourself uh, an excellent class with some excellent exams. Very, very good yeah. questions. I commend you, sir. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. If I had to take your exam right now, I'd I'd pass. I wouldn't get an A. So you guys uh you guys do great. No, you first of all, you're an easy grade. grader. Second of all, like you know. No, we did great, Steve. We nailed that that straight river thing. And no, yeah, that's yeah. true. Just that's, right there. Made, if that's the first thing you, you grade, you're gonna be like, ah, oh, this kid, this kid knows it. Made my day. Yeah, I would. When you grade would, that, just think like, oh god, the flannel casters know this. Even, come on, it's not that hard. Yeah, right. No, but I I will laugh if next year someone. Yeah, we might have screwed Justin over. He might have on, to redo his whole exam. No, I just I want to see if somebody stouts stats on the Apollo 17 mission <laughs> geologists. <laughs> well, you figure they should have the the one up for the um, the basin analysis exam, the topic of that, because we did an accommodation space last week. Ah, uh, you mean accommodation? Com- seven in accommodation, yeah. <laughs> uh, it still blows my mind. I, I still want to say accommodation space. Yeah, I like, still yeah, will say it. Space, space, say it. The space, space for the space, space for the stuff, space stuff. 
it's called space stuff from now on. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So Jesse, you got any, you got any, uh, any bonus questions on this thing? Any real? Yeah, I, didn't do, I didn't do that this time around. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see what one of your like stickler bonus questions would be like. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Something actually, last Thursday, I was, I was going to teach about glacial and I, <clears throat> I started talking about, I, I kind of went off on a tangent and I started talking about like all the different depositional environments. I looked at the, because we have a big map of the, geologic map of Pennsylvania in the back of the room. When you just start talking about like all the different rock types and the environments you find through geologic history, how it represents both space and time. You know, it was a good 20 minutes of me talking about coal. So (laughs) (laughs) attaboy. Yeah. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll ask something from that, from the people that were there. Oh, I, 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 you know, I always liked, like those type of questions, like especially on days when, like you know, a good portion of the class did just didn't show up. Yeah, some of those some of those days, I would just be a jerk and be like, "All right, listen, kids, I'm going to ask you this exact question on the exam, and here <laughs> is the answer." It doesn't work because they all talk to each other and they're going to be like, oh, "Ah, no, doing? not not in Gen Ed classes. In Gen Ed classes, they don't care." But. I- you know, I gave yeah. one time, like there was like one of those days where like nobody showed up and I said, all right, guys, pop quiz. And they're like, oh, my God. And I said, write down your favorite mineral. That's it. That that was the it was the pop quiz is basically like, you know, prove to me a pulse. Yeah. And someone goes, I can't think of my favorite mineral. And I said, are you kidding? Just put something down. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. I did. I don't know what my favorite mineral is. You should like, just said like, know. you know, no, no. you know what? You get out, get out right now. <laughs> this is not your favorite mineral. You failed the quiz. <laughs> write anything and write it after it. Dumbing tonight. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 What are you going to go check them all? He, the person yeah. probably could have put pop quizite, and I would have been no. like, oh, maybe it's one of you those. know what. There's a uh, 5,000 that I don't know about. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, actually I spent part of a class a couple of weeks ago, just uh, talking about how El Nino and La Nina work. So maybe I'll ask a question about that. There you go. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Spanish for the Nino, but uh, big question. Skit, by the way. What one of the best what? Chris Farley skits ever? <laughs> the Nino, <laughs> yeah. Um, Jesse, what song? Because I have a song in my head. Okay, oh, yeah. I have a song too. Oh my gosh, yeah. Because I tested you guys, so All you right. take it over. My, my song is "My Teacher's So Bright." I gotta wear shades. Oh, <laughs> for you, buddy. What, what, what song is that? Hmm? What song is that? You've never never heard that song? No, I don't. Oh, I, I don't know who sings it. Oh. I, I was I was hoping you would go with Van Halen, Hot for Teacher. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking I have a "School's Out for the Summer" by Alice Cooper. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's I got one week after. It's uh, and one week we're done. When are you done? I got like three weeks. Yes, yeah, so we got Thanksgiving break, and then we got two weeks of class after that. Ooh. Bummer. Uh, I mean, my future's so bright, I gotta wear shades. Is by Timbuk Three. <laughs> Timbuk oh. Three. 
better than the original Timbuktu. Is this that's that sounds like a, like some kind of like hip hop lyrics? It's got to be right. No, you heard this song. I never heard this song before. It's it's from the eighties. Oh. Well, anyways. Yeah. I'm going to say hot hot for teacher would have been better. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, hot for teacher that would have been. Yeah. I got my pencil. Give me something to write with. (laughs) (laughs) Give me something to write on, man. All right. Dismissed. Well, rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen, one of the greats. And uh, rest in peace, episode number 153 of the Geology Flannelcast. Woo! Test day. Is it 153? Sure. I don't like that. Close enough. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in. We are going to move things over to the Patreon now. Yeah. uh, If you'd like to help out the podcast, go check out our Patreon site, patreon.com slash geologyflannelcast. Uh, we got a bunch of different tiers of membership there. Come hang out with us. We have a really cool group of people, and uh, we love when new people come hang out. Oh, and, Chris, uh, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Don't forget, the holiday season's coming up, and nothing says I love you like a geology flannel cast mug. Makes your coffee taste 20% better. So, it's proven. It, it um, is. We do have some swag on the website as well, so... Also, yeah. nothing else says love like a geology flannel cast hoodie. <laughs> I can't uh that I can't think of better like uh stocking stuffer presents than geology flannel cast stickers. Ooh, yeah, actually that's true. Yeah. Um anyways, all that's there at uh, geologyflannelcast.com. So uh you can check us out on the social medias, uh Instagram and Twitter. So uh, are we going to get one? Of wait, wait, wait. Chance? Are we still on Twitter? Yeah, we're still on Twitter. Elon yeah. Musk hasn't kicked us off. We're going to get the, we're going to pay the $8 for the blue check mark. I didn't talk to you guys <laughs> about that yet. Anyways. There's so many people clamoring for the official geology plan on gas Twitter. <laughs> we have to pay the eight bucks for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for downloading this week's episode. We'll catch you guys next week with another fun and exciting episode of the Geology Flowercast. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thanks for stopping. Bye.